We finally saw a first glimpse of the 2023 LSU Tigers in day one of fall camp on Thursday. My biggest takeaways, my thoughts on day one of camp on today's edition of Locked in LSU. You are Locked on LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked in LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also, just a reminder, we're also on YouTube as well. So if you listen on the go and you listen under your preferred podcast platform, thank you for sticking around and thank you for listening. But you can also watch the podcast on YouTube. Wherever you listen, however you listen, and however you interact with the podcast, whether you like and comment on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube, rate and review on your preferred podcast platform, just appreciate you for being here and always appreciate you for making Locked in LSU your first listen every single day. But let's get into it because we finally, finally had football in Baton Rouge as the first day of fall camp kicked off on Thursday. It feels so good to finally have football. And I know the pads weren't on. I know it was just day one of fall camp. I know that we have just about a month or so until we have real actual football in a game. But still, it just feels nice to you know see him out there, to finally get a glimpse of what we've been talking about since since spring ball of what we've been talking about over the last couple of months and what we've been starved for over the last couple of months finally have LSU Tigers football but I want to get into my takeaways and observations from day one of fall camp and just a reminder I don't live in Baton Rouge I live in Nashville I'm not able to get to fall camp so I'm relying on some of the reports and the tweets from the local Baton Rouge media. And just a reminder, I'm not just going to regurgitate what I saw. That doesn't do me any favors. That doesn't do you any favors as a listener. What I am going to do is read as much as I possibly can, ingest as much content as I possibly can from the people that are at camp. And I'll give you my takes more so than just regurgitating what happened. But first and foremost, I would like to remind everyone of the golden rule that we established on the Locked On LSU program. And that is that we're not going to get too high or too low on the team, on a position group, on offense or defense, on special teams, on a specific player, on an individual player, on an individual coach, on just day one of practice or just one single day of practice because it's early. The pads aren't even on yet. And when the pads do come on, one player, one position group is either going to have a great day or is going to have a not so great day. But that doesn't mean that that player or that position group is going to be elite or is going to be horrendous throughout the entirety of the season. It just means take it for face value, pick up on trends as we go throughout fall camp, and then start to form your opinions from a few days of practice, a few weeks of practice, rather than just one single day, especially when it's this early. And I remind everyone of this golden rule because I feel like maybe some of us forgot that golden rule after just one day of practice based off of what was reported about the secondary. Because I like to step away from every day of camp, whether it's you know the Tennessee Titans camp that I go to every day, whether it's LSU uh, fall camp that I read about every day. I always like to uh, to 
decide, okay, who won the day, offense or defense? And then I try to like analyze that a little bit more, peel back the layers a little bit more. Why did the offense win the day? Why did the defense win the day? Well, yesterday, based off of everything that I had read and everything that I had heard, the offense won the day. So let's peel back those layers. Why was that? The pads weren't on. Of course, the offense is going to win the day when the pads aren't on, when you can't rush the quarterback, when you can't tackle. It makes sense. So, I, and everything that I heard, like, honestly, kind of the, the secondary got got cooked. I mean, Garrett Nussmeyer had a 60-yard beauty of a pass hit Brian Thomas on a seam route in one-on-one. And that wasn't, you know, an isolated incident. It sounded like to me pretty much all day in the one-on-one period, the secondary was getting absolutely cooked by the receivers. But remember, we're not going to get too high and we're not going to get too low. So we're not going to get too low on the secondary off of just based off of one day in camp. And that's for a few reasons. First and foremost, didn't we already know that the secondary was going to be a question mark? Didn't we already know that the secondary was a little bit of a concern going into fall camp? Didn't we already know that the secondary was going to be a work in progress, specifically the cornerback position? Because didn't we already know that the receivers were coming in with a whole lot of continuity and then you're returning your leading receiver in Malik Neighbors, when you're returning Kyron Lacey, when you're returning Brian Thomas, didn't we already know that the offense was going to have a whole lot more continuity and was probably going to stand out early in practice because they're already starting leaps and bounds ahead of where the secondary is because you had to build the secondary almost entirely through the transfer portal, that you're picking up players from all throughout the rest of college football, whether that's Isai Alexander coming from Southeastern, whether that's, say, Deuce Chestnut coming from Syracuse, whether that's a Denver Harris coming from Texas A&M and only going to his second year of college ball after very limited action in his first year at Texas A&M. Didn't we already know that the offense probably should be starting out a little bit further along than where the secondary is, specifically a defense as a whole, but where the secondary is as a whole. So don't overreact to one day of practice where the secondary looked a few steps behind where the wide receiving core is, where the offense is, because we already knew that's probably where it was going to be. And the other side of that is too, there's no pass rush, there's no pads on, and Brian Kelly kind of explained why he's not really concerned about how the secondary looked in day one. This is Brian Kelly. Coach, during the one-on-one drills on the indoor, it uh, looked like the receivers are really getting the better of the secondary, I guess. Just what do you see as far as that battle? Is that is that typical for one-on-one oh, yeah. drills? Because when teams- well, there's no pass rush. And really, it's a really um, good takeoff question for us to uh, really – kind of when when we observe these drills, you know, we talk to the defensive backs about the deficit that they have in this particular drill so they don't get frustrated um, because there is no pass rush. There is no clock, right? Um, They're playing man-to-man on a field that's 53 and a third by 120, right? They have the whole field, and the receiver can do whatever he wants out there. So it's so important that they understand that, the drill is really about their technique. It's not about a winner or a loser in that drill. Um, so it's, it's so important that technique is at 
the front of their mindset when they go into that drill. So we're really looking at that more than anything else. And the first couple of drill um, reps, we had safeties that had their eyes on the quarterback. You certainly can't do that in a one-on-one -on -one drill. It becomes a man-to-man -man drill. And so you're teaching that along the way. So the observations are right, but in the way you have to look at it is it is a slanted drill for the offense, and it's really built on the technique for the defense. Makes sense to me. And I'd rather the defense, specifically the corners in the secondary, I'd rather them work on technique now on August 4th rather than trying to beat these receivers one-on-one -on -one and by any means necessary. And then two weeks from now, when you're two to three, probably only two weeks removed from that game against Florida State, you're, you know, you're, you're calling for flags and it's it's DPI. You know, I'd rather work on the technique first, get your foundation set, and then in two to three weeks, then when the pads come on, when you have a pass rush and you're actually playing seven on seven and eleven on eleven for real, and you're actually practicing for Florida State, then you can have a more fair evaluation of the secondary. So all things considered, it's early. There's no pass rush. There's no pads on. And specifically that those were drills that gives the offense an advantage. And when you're focusing more on the basics and technique for the defense, then you'll start to graduate into actually beating these receivers one-on-one. -on -one. All of that makes sense to not overreact too much about the secondary. It was a concern for me last week. It's still a concern for me because we still haven't seen the entirety of what the secondary can do because they still have a whole lot of work to do. So I'm not overreacting about the secondary. Did it look a little rough yesterday? Yeah, I'm sure it did. I kind of expected it to look a little bit rough. So don't worry about the secondary quite yet. When, if and when we need to worry about the secondary, like actually kind of hover our hand around the panic button, we'll do that. But we're just not at that point yet. But coming up next, let's do a full opposite discussion. A defensive side of the ball that we're not going to worry about too much, but we're going to switch over to an offensive side of the football that we're not going to get too high on quite yet. We'll get into that coming up next. Before we do that, I want to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs, because these days, every new hire can feel like a high-stakes wager. And when it comes to your business that you put so much work into, you don't want to have a high wager. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. So I work for a radio station and one of our team members just decided pretty suddenly that they were just looking for new opportunities. And we were left at one of the most critical points of the year right before football season to fill that role. So we turned to LinkedIn jobs because it's so easy to create a free job post. Just go to LinkedIn, create a free job post. That's another great thing about LinkedIn jobs. It is 100% completely free, which is great because we know that money doesn't grow on trees around here. Go to LinkedIn, post your free job post, and then you just add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, and that'll spread the word that you are hiring. Plus, LinkedIn Jobs has super simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. Plus, it's so important for your small business or wherever you might work to find the right team member that can have 
the positive impact that can really help your team achieve its goals. Now that we're headed into the second half of the year, it is so paramount to the success of your business to find the right team members. It's why small businesses ranked LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Well, thanks again for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is coming up tomorrow on the podcast. I have like 17,000 more thoughts about the first day of training camp. So we're going to get into that. Plus, it feels like a very uncertain time in college football. With all of the conversations of conference realignment, Oregon and Washington, are they going to the Big Ten? Are they not? Arizona and Arizona State, are they going to the Big 12? Can the Pac-12 survive all of this? There's a lot of uncertainty and a whole lot of questions. So I want to answer the question, where does LSU come into all of this? Where does this affect LSU? How does this affect the SEC? We'll get into that plus so much more on tomorrow's edition in the next few episodes of Locked on LSU. So just a reminder, my golden rule, I'm going to remind you all of this, especially as we get through the first couple of days of camp. Once we get into the nitty gritty of camp, you know, we'll have a little bit more to work off of. We'll have more of a sample size to make a true and fair evaluation. But as we are early in camp, we don't get too high and we don't get too low on just one single day of practice. So we are not getting too low on the secondary after one day of camp that looked like the offense won the day. What we're not going to do either is get too high on one position group that looks like it's shaping up to be pretty solid. So I'm going to I'm going to get into that and I'm also going to get into why you should be encouraged by it. And that's not an overreaction, it's just a fair reaction to why you should be encouraged by the running back position. So I mean per all of the articles that I have read and and thank you to all of the wonderful local media members in Baton Rouge um, who have put up great evaluations of camp. It helps you, you LSU fans. It helps me try and come up with a, a, you know, a fair evaluation of what happened in camp so I can deliver that to you. But it looks like the running back position is uh, it's stacked. And it's something that we knew, you know, it's something that I mentioned on the pre-camp episode of Locked on LSU is this this room is freaking stacked. You've got Noah Kane, Josh Williams, Armani Goodwin, John Emery returning into this room. And then you're adding Trey Holly, a true freshman. You're adding Logan Diggs through the transfer portal. Trey Bradford makes his return to LSU for the third time. Um, but it looks like yesterday getting first team reps was Logan Diggs. Very interesting. Josh Williams and Noah Kane, those saw the majority of first team reps with, uh, with Jaden Daniels. Um, but John Emery was another one that we were looking at because yesterday on my pre-camp episode, I mentioned how Brian Kelly said it at SEC Media Days that John Emery is in is hopeful that they they anticipated John Emery to be cleared from the NCAA to participate in the beginning of fall camp. No, John Emery was a no-show yesterday. So immediately when I saw that, I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Is he not cleared? Is he not going to be okay to go for week one against Florida State where the grade's not where they needed to be? But Brian Kelly kind of, you know, put a stop to that, said, hey, don't worry about it. No big deal. Um, He was finishing up an internship. They didn't want to rush him. Finish up your internship. Do whatever you need to do. Take some time. He will be back, per Brian Kelly, 
he will be back out at practice on Friday. So no need to panic there that uh, John Emery's absence was expected by the coaching staff. It's no NCAA issue. It's not an issue with his grades. Finishing up an internship, good for you, John Emery. Um, we'll be back out of practice today. So I'm excited to see kind of where he works. Is he working with the ones? What's his role with the ones? If he is with the ones today. Um, so we'll have evaluation of that uh, on the next edition of Locked in LSU. But one guy that I was really intrigued to look at, how they were going to use him, who he was going to work with, was Logan Dix, a transfer who came into LSU, a Louisiana native, who spent the last couple of years at Notre Dame, played under, under Brian Kelly in the beginning of his college career at Notre Dame, transfers to LSU. He worked with the ones on yesterday. What did Brian Kelly see from Logan Diggs in his first official practice as an LSU Tiger? This was Brian Kelly on Logan Diggs. Coach, um, you touched a little bit on the running back room, rather crowded, but what did you see from Logan Diggs today? Uh, it, it, you know, I, I just watched the, the technical work that they had going on. And, you know, obviously he's, he's a guy that I know very well and I know what he's capable of. He's, uh, he's very smooth. Uh, he's physical. Uh, he's got a great burst. And, and his ability to stay on the field on all three downs, he knows protections. He can catch the ball coming out of the backfield. So, you know, I know him really well. He looked good. The, the question with him was his health. You know, he had a hamstring that uh, we had to work through most of the summer, which limited him, but he looked healthy. And that was really the biggest thing for me to see that he was healthy today. And um, he looked good. He felt good. Um, and he just adds to the depth of that room, uh, which is going to be, uh, as, as complete and as deep as any running back room that I've ever coached. So uh, good news about Logan Diggs looking healthy, kind of settling in. That's all you can really ask for from a transfer on their first day of fall camp or their first few days of fall camp is how do you look? Are you healthy? Are you feeling good? Are you settling into this offense? So it's good news for Logan Diggs just to get started where he is. And we'll continue to watch him and evaluate him the way that he plays in practice. But allow me to break my golden rule of not overreacting and not getting too high on one individual position group on day one. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I feel really good about the running back position. And that's not just based off of one day of camp. It's not just based off of what you know was, it was reported from day one of camp and what they saw from the running backs. It's based off of what Brian Kelly said was going to be the biggest key for this team from year one to year two and then year two and beyond. And that's depth. This running back room has so much depth. And it's not just bodies. It's quality depth. It's the number of players that they have in this room and also the number of players that they have in this room that have starting power five experience, whether that's at LSU or whether that's elsewhere. I feel excited and encouraged about this running back room, and I feel fine saying that just because of the options that they have, because of the versatility that they can have at that position and the creativity that Mike Denbrock is going to have with that running back position, just given how many players and how much depth they really truly have at the running back position. So I'm excited about it. I think you should feel excited about the running back position. You know, depth can change at any time. Knock on wood, injuries can happen at any point in fall camp, at any point throughout the season. But it's exciting that we can look at this room now, not really knowing exactly what we have, which player is going to play at what position, when it's going to change, what players are taking reps with the ones, Still questions about the position and in, 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 in its 
intricacies and it's the specifics of the position, but excited about how much depth and versatility you really have at that position. So I'm excited after just day one of the running back position. And I think I went into this season excited about the running back position because we knew how much depth this position really would truly have. Coming up next, another one of my takeaways from fall camp, and it didn't really have anything to do with what happened on the field. We'll get into that coming up next. Before we do that, I want to tell you about eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure that every player is the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time that you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every single part that you need for your car fits just right the first time around. Nothing is worse than having to go back to the store or return something. Nope, eBay Motors can get it done the first time. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that your part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, get the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, let's get into it. One of my takeaways from fall camp day one that really didn't have anything to do with what was reported on the field, what I read about on the field, it was what more so what Brian Kelly had to say at the podium. And it's the change that he is making, that this coaching staff is making, and reporting injuries. So Brian Kelly uh, got up at the podium on Thursday after practice and said that they are going to adopt a more NFL-esque style of reporting injuries where it's your you're likely you're probable you're doubtful and you're out and they're going to report that twice throughout the week on Mondays and Thursdays I believe he said so it provides a little bit more context to context to us as fans to the media of following injuries throughout the week like let's say Let's say a player tears a hamstring in a game, you know, a couple weeks ago. We'll get updates on that player throughout the week and throughout the season. We'll get, you know, we'll follow it, which is nice because you might go from doubtful on Monday to probable on Thursday. That gives you enough context as to how that player is coming along. If you're probable on Thursday, you can be hopeful that they're playing on Saturday. Brian Kelly cites betting as being one of the reasons why they're being more transparent and being um, communicating a little bit more about these injuries, but how they don't want anyone to be guessing. They don't want there to be information within the clubhouse, a little bit of inside baseball about the injuries that's not reported to the general public. But, and, and I get it. I see it. I see Brian Kelly's, you know, perspective of doing that, considering it has been such a massive problem at the college level, at the pro level of players betting on games. But specifically, why? Like, why did Brian Kelly feel the need to be more transparent with injuries, to avoid any of these betting problems? Why was that something that he decided to do? This was Brian Kelly. I wanted to be proactive and not reactive. Uh, I'm not saying that that happened. I'm not saying that it would happen. But I think it's better to be proactive in those situations and take away even the temptation to even have that in this building and and not be that next school um, that that goes down that 
that that path, right? You know, we talked about, you know, clearly uh, nobody should have, um, you know, a gaming app on their phone. There are geolocators uh, on your phone for every one of those apps. And so getting those apps off your phone and making sure that there's no geolocators because they know where you are. And there should not be any of those on, on any of our players' phones or anybody that's in this building. So I think it's just much more about being proactive than reactive uh, than anything else. I don't know, like, how much reporting the injuries to us and updating us throughout the week. I don't know, like, how much that's going to discourage betting, honestly. I, like, I get it. Like, I, I understand it, honestly, as somebody who's a fan and who follows the team. I appreciate that. I like not being left in the dark. But what I do like, what I do appreciate from Brian Kelly is doing everything that they can to make sure that some of the issues that let's say like Iowa state is going through or Alabama baseball went through that that's not even going to be an issue. Like try and control the situation as much as possible. Try and eliminate factors as much as possible. It's just like these, these teams, whether it's NFL and college, these teams that are dealing with the consequences of betting where a player might be out for six weeks or a year for a full season in the NFL because of betting. Like that's just stupid. And that's so avoidable. Take away the avoidable factors that give your team that could potentially give your team disadvantages. Like if you don't have to lose one of your players for six games for an entire season, then don't. Don't put yourself at an obvious disadvantage. And, of course, there's a lot of things that are out of your control. Injuries, illnesses, whatever it might be. You just can't control those. Football's a dangerous sport. Unfortunately, injuries happen. That will put you at a disadvantage. But a player being unavailable because of a betting investigation, that's just stupid and avoidable. So take those factors out. I appreciate Brian Kelly doing everything that he can to to eliminate that from that locker room. Like if A&M or Bama or Florida has to deal with that, then let them deal with that. Don't let our program be the one that's having to deal with, you know, just stupid, avoidable stuff. Don't do dumb stuff that hurts the team. Betting is doing something dumb that hurts the team. Just take that out. There's no place for that in this locker room. I appreciate that. And, you know, I get it. I understand. That's going to do it for me today. Every day is coming up tomorrow on the podcast. I've got like a kajillion more thoughts on day one of practice. We'll get into those and also what we saw from practice today. Um, LSU back out on the practice field. Um, so we'll have a full report of that. That will be on tomorrow's edition of Lockdown LSU.